Hello and welcome to the Centre for Public Impact podcast series coming to you today from the OneTeam Gov Global Unconference. Hello, my name is Alejandra Diaz and I'm part of the User Centre Policy Design Team in the Ministry of Justice here in the UK. Hi, I'm Janice Cudlip. I am the Senior Strategist for the Policy Community Initiative in Canada for the Public Service. Wow, well thank you for talking to the CPI podcast series today at this One Team Government event. Tell me what you were just discussing. You seem to be deep in conversation. Well, we're just talking about money. (laughs) And the big question is, how do we get governments or government departments to share budgets in order to achieve a goal or to collaborate on a solution that could impact a certain amount of people in a policy space? And I think I was doing most of the learning in this case because it happens to be the case that Canada has got a very good model that can go across departments. So... Yes, and and it's Janice. I was just sharing um, how we are working across over 24 departments to fund our initiative that will do work for all of public service. And also we're talking about focusing on results as opposed to accountability. So where is the point of diminishing return for the reporting out and the work of getting the impact? So how can we make it make sense? And why does a non conference conference from one team government appeal to you. Canada has a large contingent here. Yes, that's right. So um, getting anywhere from Canada is is a big investment. And so the one team gov global event appealed to us because we could reach people who are working on similar projects from many different countries in one day. So hopping across to London was easier for us than visiting New Zealand and Singapore and you know any African countries the Netherlands Denmark so in one go we could make years worth of networking happen and Janice how many people have you spoken to from other countries today I would say at least six or seven Sweden the Netherlands Finland I think someone from the US so high value for me now you said you were discussing money this seems to be the universal problem of governments everywhere, particularly when economies are growing more slowly than they did in the past. So you're having to moderate the expectations of the citizens who pay their taxes. Do you find perhaps that you share the same challenges, whatever country you're in? Uh, I think so. So every single government, as you mentioned, is dealing with these challenges and also we're dealing with very tricky problems, increasing population, increase of ageing population, increase of other reasons why people may need government more and more. The question is, how do we make sure that government has got a very important role there so how do we make sure that we are effective in the decisions we make so for us it's very important to understand and to bring value through the skills we have and the decisions we make to serve the basically the public we we're here for so we also talked about another resource which is time so how do you carve out the space to do some deep thinking and some user research and evidence building but also solution ideation when you're in a crisis moment and the political side is looking for some way to show that they're addressing a core issue for the public. So it's money also for and time for people with the skills to come together and think through problems instead of 
just rushing to what's convenient or cheaper or easy. Now the Centre for Public Impact engages with government all over the world. It talks a lot about legitimacy. Do you think the technology allows government to be more legitimate because it's able to connect you with the citizens who are receiving the services and paying the taxes? Janice, you first. Um, I think it goes beyond technology. I think it is also visibility. So I think that the legitimacy is also the visibility. So understanding what it is, why it takes so long to do things or make decisions or why we rush to do things that aren't exactly going to address the, the issue of the moment. For us, there's definitely a bit of a black box. What are all of you public servants doing when we still can't seem to get these things, these basic things right? So prime example for us is drinking water for First Nations and Indigenous people in their communities that is clean and, and healthy. Like, that's been a problem for decades. How come we can't fix that, you know? So it's not just the technology, it's uh, understanding how the decision-making process works and when they see examples of other entities able to move faster, they just can't compute why, why it takes a big body to, to move quickly, like why it takes so long. Do you relate to those comments, particularly in the light of the UK brexiting the EU? It's said that government isn't focused on anything but Brexit, but in truth you have to be, don't you? Well, I would say that um, the question of legitimacy and also visibility uh, goes beyond any other offering, or kind of any offering a channel necessarily. I think there is an expectation that government should be as good, if not better, than uh, private companies at the moment use technology to leverage and to offer services. Why can't government be as good as Amazon or Google in terms of like offering the services that they need to offer uh, to citizens? And it is true. I mean, Brexit is a very political matter, and at the moment, all all eyes are on that, but you kind of forget that also the UK civil service is an army of people that are all looking into their own areas, regardless of what's happening in Parliament or Brexit. We all know that, for example, we have no parliamentary time right now in order to push any laws. So what we're having to do is to opt for non legislative options that could help us solve problems for users and lo a lot of that is brought through technology so it's an opportunity for us as well. Can you relate to that? Not in the legislative like we have space for that but uh, I think there is a definite pressure when the user experience from from business or, or companies is so different from what they're experiencing from government there is you know, hands go up, like, why is this working like this? And so definitely the, the Canadian public service is, is responding to that. But the muscles are, are weak. We haven't worked like that. And we have a very vast country that isn't all digitally enabled. So we, we still have to provide services for communities that are super small who may not have internet. So that sounds like we're all in, like, the backwoods, but it's not true. But it's true. <laughs> I think the challenge is yeah. how do we offer services to a varied kind yeah. of spectrum of people That's with different great. needs and different access to technology and other services and that is all, but that's part of government that's the one thing that makes us different from you know yes. the big tech giants is that we don't have a choice we have to serve the public 
out there. All, the whole public, the whole public, wherever they are, whatever they have access to. So we're in this funny transitional straddling period, right, where we can't expect that every solution, if it's digitally designed, has, can meet everybody's needs. We still have to have the analog services as well. You know? Well, it's definitely a challenge to you all. Talking face to face like this, I'll let you go back. I feel as if I'm interrupting a very important discussion between you both. But it's different to talking on the phone, video, WhatsApp, Skype. Yes, I agree. And what we are learning as we build a, the policy community is the human connection is super important. And, and one of the things that I appreciate from these kinds of events is that chance to be people who very are passionate about public service. We're passionate about solving civic problems, public policy problems, and we get energized by asking, having the moment to ask the questions like, ooh, let's follow that train of thought that, you know, I can't, I'm not used to randomly meeting people over the internet. That's something that I didn't grow up in. <laughs> so to actually be able to talk face to face just reduces the barriers very quickly. And yeah, so having the venue for the, for the spontaneous random collisions and idea sharing is really helpful. Well, let's let you have the final word. Face-to-face -face contact important? Certainly. So the reason, going back to the question you asked Janice earlier, the reason why I'm here is because I know that this is a forum of people that are doing very similar work to my work and that I can relate to, I can share ideas with. For me, this space is very important for networking. Having said that, given the fact that we're all around the world, technology can certainly help moving forward, so I'm sure the conversations shall continue. Thank you. Thank, Thank you very much. I'm Charlotte van Linden, I'm a UX designer. I work for the, the Dutch Ministry of Justice, but I'm also part of the Gebruikerscentraal, which is a Dutch community where professionals who work within the, 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 the government and have something to do with IT try to make the digital IT as user-friendly as possible. Tomorrow I'll also be at the other conference and I'll be giving a talk, a workshop about uh, UX maturity score that we developed. And just explain to our listeners what UX is. A UX is kind of where you try to make things like web applications and websites as user-friendly as possible so people can use them without thinking. And justice, it's a growing field for technology, surprisingly, isn't it? Yeah, it's very important because, of course, people also, uh, a lot of the, the things are becoming more easy to use and you, you don't have to be at the, the court all the time. Sometimes you can kind of uh, send things digitally. So it is much more of the traffic that's, that, that used to be done on paper is now done digitally. So it's very important that for people who are not as digitally savvy as well, professionals who are working within the justice, this department can also understand what's going on. And well, let me ask you an old-fashioned mm -hmm. question at an unconference conference. Your takeaway from today? That there are lots of people from all over the world who are dealing with the same things that are trying to make things user-friendly and are trying to share knowledge, which I think is very important. Which is also what the Gebruikerscentraal, which is kind of uh, user-central, is all about. Hi, I'm Jonas, I'm from Sweden, and I'm a consultant and work in user experience. Yes, and my name is Olaf, I'm also come from Sweden, also a consultant working with, with teams and team collaborations. A non-conference conference, one team government. Why did you want to attend, Jonas? To get an opportunity to interact with people on a global level. 
I mean, it's not just people from the UK here, so, so it's a very good opportunity to, to collect experiences and to share stories. Yes, what Jonas said. Also, uh, I'm an organizer of the Unconference for One Team Government in Sweden. And, uh, I'm here to steal as many good ideas as possible. And Unconference, does it work as an idea? There's no keynote speaker, people might not turn up. Yes, it has to be. We've been attending unconferences and holding unconferences for, for many years in, in, in Sweden in different places, and it definitely works. And I believe that you get more value out of a more participative unconference than you do of a more traditional one. Now, you're both consultants, you're both from Sweden, but can you spot whether you're talking to delegates from Holland, from the UK, or from Canada, where there's a large contingent from today? Can you spot common themes across? government clearly AI technology econometrics even women in government are the problems similar are the challenges similar yes I say that and it's not merely on a technological level it's very much on a human level organizational level how do you get like like a couple of sessions we had we we attended today uh, how to get shareholders on board how to build trust in public institution how to uh, make uh, institutions more tolerant to failure, how to increase resilience. All those themes are common all over all these countries, all over the globe. Yes, you should also remember that, that this doesn't really feel like a very diverse conference. Even though we come from many different parts of the globe, we come from basically the same culture. There are welfare states, there are, are Western governmental structures that are similar and we are similar as humans, so therefore the problems are similar and the solutions too, I guess. So. A big question here, the challenges that governments face. Yes, I would say that it's, it's a lot of specialisation have been going around for, for, for many decades now, which has led to, to silos, and where I believe that the public is more better served by collaboration throughout the silos, and that the specialisation has grown walls, raised walls between departments, which gives people bad service, and that is something we have to fix. Have yes. people had bad service from government? Sometimes, yes, definitely sometimes good services but I'd say that we have a problem now that try to redefine what we call digitalization. We've been doing that for at least 40 years. We've been digitalizing services for 40 years and now we're on to something new and we have to define what does it really mean in this age, in this, the coming years coming ahead. And we talked about the challenges of government and government delivering but have you had any insights from today already, solutions that others may be applying that you hadn't thought of applying? I won't say quite a eureka moment, but I'm going to take that idea back home with me. No, not yet, actually. It, it's, uh, it's the, the, the insight is that we are uh, sharing the same problem space and, struggling, and struggling with the same problems, but, and, and, and also those things that I have found working at home, others have found working as well. So it's, it's strength that we are on the right path. Uh, yeah, I, I'd say the same. It's the goal of every session sort of to reach what practical action can we take here. And, and it's, well, we, we strive to find some practical actions and, and there have been some ideas there but perhaps not not the radical big idea not the revolution already yet hopefully something will come up well just finally the center for public impact uses the word legitimacy policy action that's its mantra legitimacy policy action do you think that perhaps by as 
civil servants, as people delivering public policy through a taxation system, by seeking solutions, you're going to legitimise government because government is falling out of favour in some countries, very yeah. much so. Yeah. Yes, I, I definitely think so, and, and I, I feel that, that the, the structural problems that we struggle with, it, it hasn't shown, I mean, we still have a, a functioning government, but it's, it's somewhat in decline, or at least regarded in, in how, how legitimate people think it is. So I definitely believe that we need to, to fix the, the structural problems, so that, or else we will have uh, that kind of problem. Yeah, I think we need to, we, we touched upon this in one of the sessions I attended, and we need to rebuild trust in public organizations. And one way of doing that is to actually show impact. And I really like the concept of impact. I've worked a lot with exactly that concept, showing impact and defining what impact do we really want from this project or this change and declaring success and declaring and showing the metrics, yes, we reached our goal, this is the impact that we reached there. But that is one point. The other point, I think, is that um, trust can only be built from, from the bottom and up. You can't start to trust the big organizations or the big public services or, or the upper sort of level unless you also trust your neighbors and your fellow citizens and your fellow humans. So we have to build trust on a, on a very, very basic and local level and build up trust, not from, from bottom up, not top down. Case studies. Have you got any case studies of where you think you've changed the way government works and that should be a role model for the future? We do have one, I think, of the Swedish police. Yeah, the Swedish police department, the IT side is definitely one where they got rid of a lot of project structure and started to, to fund small teams doing creating tools for the, for the policemen, which meant that they could be very, very alert and, and agile when there was a, a terror attack a year ago in Stockholm and the, the police department could show out new IT tools to the police in, in a matter of hours. And that's definitely one way of how a new approach of doing things have uh, increased the ability of, of the department. Yeah, and that approach came out of huge failures. Yes. Failures with huge projects, like overarching things like that. And going back, or actually as, as a reaction to that, creating small teams, agile teams, doing a lot of user research, working with the local police officers very, very closely in a small scale. And reaching tremendous results, tremendous results from that. Okay, well, uh, Jonas and Olaf, thank you very much indeed for talking for the CPI podcast series today. I've enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Hi, my name's Adrian Brown, and I'm the Executive Director of the Centre for Public Impact. Nadine Smith, Global Director of Communications, CPI. Adrian, why are you interested in civil servants and public servants talking to one another in this perhaps new fashion first of all it's, it's just fantastic to be here because there's so much energy there's so many different points of view from all around the world being expressed in a very in a in, as you say in a very unstructured way which on the one hand can be a bit scary for people because the you know what well, what are we going to talk about what will we conclude but in another sense you get a real impression of of commonalities across these different countries the same kinds of issues around how to empower civil servants how to empower citizens how to transform services are coming up in many of the conversations I've been taking part in already today so it's it's very energizing and inspiring to hear how different people from very different backgrounds are coming up with many of the same questions and and developing solutions which they're sharing today 
So here's a number one question for you. Are there common challenges? Can we kind of reduce the day's events mm. of a non-conference conference to these are the common challenges that the delegates from over 40 countries all face in their countries at the present time? There are, there are many, many sub-themes to this, but I think one expression of uh, a common theme that I'm hearing is around how can government transform in a way that is more modern, more agile, more bet better equipped to meet the needs of citizens. And, and there are all sorts of aspects of that. But I think if you asked any of the delegates here, you know, is the status quo working sufficiently? Do we only need incremental change? I think the answer would be no. We need to think very radically about how governments can transform. And then a lot of the conversations that are happening today about different aspects of that transformation and, and how governments should look and feel and act differently in the future. Well, we've spoken to delegates from all over the world, but including from Holland and also from Canada. But say, for instance, Canada, they talk about it being a vast country, a rural country. So while you might have people in Switzerland having to tweet in several different languages, the challenge in Canada is to keep the analogue world side by side in government with the digital world. Do you think that's a legitimate challenge for government, analogue v digital, and how fast to move things along? Yes, of course. I think that if, if you become too obsessed with any one agenda, whether it's digital or whether it's design thinking or evidence, if you become too obsessed by that specific thing, then you, the risk is that you go too far and you get or you go too fast. So on the, on the digital versus, versus analogue, we should be led by what the needs of citizens are. And of course, we have some people in society who want to do everything online, and that's, that's fine and legitimate today. And there are other people who find that uncomfortable, awkward, difficult, they're uncertain about it they've got legitimate concerns around privacy or accessibility so we need to take those into account but that this is all very much of a theme of government listening to people responding to their interests and concerns and being government for people not uh, not sort of governing people in that sense Nadine Adrian just mentioned something that I know is very dear to your own heart which is top-down government and just having government from the grassroots up that's really what today is about isn't it I think what's incredible here today is that there is no hierarchy. So all the things that we say that governments are often quite guilty of, which is, you know, lack of diversity, not, you know, not working across departmental silos, being obsessed with hierarchy. None of that is happening here at, at One Team Gov. Here we, those, all the rules are out the window and everyone's voice counts. And that's what's incredible. And it shows what appetite there really is to go back into government and be like this and the main topic of conversation at every session I've been at is, look, you know, we all know what we need to do and we all agree that the current ways of working aren't good enough. So how do we take that back into Whitehall or how do we take that back into the governments of Canada or Sweden or New Zealand? And, and I think that's where we're kind of currently at. We're at the point where there's a growing movement that really respects where each and everyone's coming from and, and everyone, what everyone's trying to do. But I think there needs to be more discussion and there will be more discussion, I'm sure, about how we actually take this passion, energy, drive all these ideas and actually make something different happen in government because I think that's where the biggest challenge will still be. And the non-breakout breakout sessions, I don't know if my language as an interviewer is correct, but people have been really engrossed in conversation, not just engaged, but really interested uh, across the borders in what one another have to say. And it's very different talking face to face 
than dealing with Skype or WhatsApp. It's the face-to-face contact that people seem to be liking, Adrian. Yes, I think that's right. And and to have a a group of people who've just come together around a topic which is interesting for them, without that being directed in any way, leads naturally leads to a, a room of very energised, very interested people who've who've got a lot of, of different points of view to share. So that's been it's been fantastic to to be part of those conversations. But it's also interesting, as Nadine was really just alluding to, that. In the several conversations I've been in, in so far, you st- no matter almost what the question is, you still hear some of the same issues coming up, which is about how to, well, how to how to sh- shift power in government away from the sort of hierarchies and the, the top of the system and and push it much further out, either to citizens themselves or to people who are working much closer to citizens, because it's only by doing that, I believe, and the recognition from the conversations today, that we will improve things from where we've got to today. Nadine, do you agree? Because the CPI has pioneered this mantra of legitimacy policy action, but reshaping government from the grassroots up improves legitimacy. It gives government the oomph it's needed. And perhaps government itself, as you say, has sunk into silos. It hasn't got a great name in terms of delivery now but but by getting people together and thinking from the grassroots up you're going to be able to design services better design is a word that lots of people are using here today isn't it yeah and and I'm all for design and service design I think it's really wonderful that people are thinking about that I have a slight fear about service design though um I sort of worry when I come to conferences sometimes that certain terms and ideas are going to capture the government next. So it's like, actually, we're done with that, and now we're all about, you know, digital, or, and now we're all about designing better, or innovation, or, you know, policy labs, and, you know, all these various things have been used today in terms of... But actually, in the conversations with people, when you get down to the issues, none of those things, that, that stuff isn't discussed anymore. It really comes right back to looking behind what's driving some of the behaviours that are still having a negative impact, even if you have got behavioural insights or policy design or innovation or digital government and all these things that government's done really well at bringing in as new ideas. Unfortunately, there's a sort of dominant way of working in a culture which is inhibiting even those things from doing the right thing. So I would, I'm would, i heartened by the fact that people are excited by them here, but I'm also really more happy that in the conversations we have, people recognise that actually there's a culture and a behaviour of government which has to be discussed now. And unlike a lot of people out there, outside of Whitehall, might think citizens are power-hungry, people who are sort of deliberately holding on to this power. What's encouraging here is that most people say, why do we have this power? We're not even the right people to have it. We, we understand that we aren't the right people to make these decisions, nor are sometimes the politicians. So what's heartening as well is that people are recognising that they aren't necessarily where power should be. They want to push power down to where it matters, but there is something going on behind the scenes that we have to still get to the bottom of, and everybody's saying it. It's just perhaps we just need a way of talking about that. Do you agree, uh, Adrian? And there must be a round of applause for the organisers, Kit and James, who have grown the one-team government movement, because it is a movement, from nowhere to getting over 40 countries here, 700 people in a room. That's an incredible achievement. It, it is absolutely an incredible achievement. And I think it's so important that it is a movement and seen as people who, who want to 
join this sort of or coming together and, and just from their own volition deciding that they want to be part of this conversation rather than it being something which is really controlled or dictated or led by a government if the UK government was leading this it wouldn't work it has to be this movement you know some people I've been speaking to today who've come from other parts of the world have come here they've taken holiday and they've paid for their own tickets to, to get here that's how interested they are to be part of that conversation which is incredible an incredible uh, fact given that you know many people would think this should be part of their jobs but that, that's that's the spirit with which people are engaging with this and it's, it's fantastic to see and takeaways you you go back to the cpi you'll be standing around the coffee machine what will you tell your colleagues who couldn't attend the one team government non-conference conference today what are you going to say get down find out their stories Certainly, you know, any time you leave the office and you start speaking to people who are actually working in governments, working in civil society, working in public services, you learn a tremendous amount. So just the value of doing that is, is reinforced. We know that's true, but, you know, I, that's, that's one message I'll certainly take back to the team. I think I'll say that don't be afraid. It sounds like to me that there are people here who all share a very similar experience in that they want to do something differently they might just want to say something that's never been said before, but they want to start that behaviour change, that cultural change, right here with themselves. But what they're saying is, the more one team gov people we've got in government departments, then the more safe I feel that I can say what I want to say and do the job I know I can do, even if that means that I won't be the one with all the power. That doesn't matter. It's about having that community within government to say, actually, you know what I'm talking about because you're a member of One Team Gov or you know what they're talking about. So this is what we mean. And I think that can grow. I think there's a real you know, safety in numbers thing almost to make people feel that they can really take that plunge and start to behave the way they know they want to. And Adrian, are you surprised just finally by how global this movement is? Kit said over 40 countries represented here today. I'm going to repeat that story. You told me about people taking their holiday mm. to come over here, even fly over here. It, it's a commitment to public services that isn't often seen, isn't often transparent and is rarely spoken about. Well, that's right. Look, we talk about the public service ethos, and you know that, and that is that's crucially important to to many people who work in governments. They they're doing it because they want to make the world a better place. And unfortunately, I think the way we manage governments and run public services almost doesn't acknowledge that ethos in a sense. It assumes that people are not going to do a good job unless they're told what to do, and if they don't have a, a target to achieve. Today is a representation of you know, the genuine willingness and desire of people all around the world to want to use their positions in government and other organizations to make things better and that is a, an energy that should be unleashed and unlocked rather than hindered and and boxed in which i think is is what happens very much today nadine are you going to end on that note an energy that's being unleashed and unlocked and that background talking that our audience will be able to hear is a session on space travel so perhaps that's apt but an energy that's being unlocked and you, you've often spoken about how moribund you think government is yeah i'm i'm just looking outside sorry i got a bit distracted there bonnie because i was just looking at the people sat on the floor cross-legged you know even <laughs> even this is just a completely different way of talking everything is just different about what's happening right now but you can see that people feel really comfortable in this environment more comfortable than perhaps even i gave the civil service credit for being in a bit out of their comfort zone 
Hi, I'm Jenny. If you haven't been to one of these, it kind of throws people. I was telling my mum what I'm doing today earlier, and she just said, but how did you get anybody to come if you didn't tell them what they're going to talk about in advance? There's no come to the keynote speaker or anything. It doesn't work like that. It's a whole new idea, but it really does get people engaged. Thank you for listening to the Centre for Public Impact podcast series. Today, we're coming from the Wanting Gov Global Unconference. You can follow us on Twitter at CPI underscore foundation and also find us on LinkedIn, Instagram and Facebook. Thank you for listening to the CPI podcast here at One Team Gov.